We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia, always and forever. Absolutely. Welcome to episode number 46. Six. 46. If I'm correct. Yes. 46. Next episode will be a prime number. Just wanted to say that for all the tech alum who are listening. There will not be a quiz or we'll not do a DFQ calculus equation. Welcome to, an, uh, to episode number 46. We're happy to have you here. Quickly want to do what is becoming a tradition. Acknowledge Roman Reigns. He is still the one. He is still the champ. We're not going to talk about him as much because we got a couple of other non-sports news we want to get to. Before we get to the sports news, quick layout. We are going to talk basketball. We are going to talk volleyball. We are going to talk golf. We are going to talk football in depth. We will go over the Ole Miss loss. We will preview the Wake Forest game at the uh, second half of the show. The first half of the show, we want to get you caught up on a lot of news. And Joshua, you wanted to start us out by reminding us that we asked the audience for some insight, and you've got a little bit. We both we, got a little bit. We so did indeed. So give we me asked, what you got. We asked you guys at the end of last episode, give us your first favorite Georgia Tech player. You know, not your favorite. Everybody's got like their favorite. Who was the first one that you gravitated towards? I was reached out to by another Georgia Tech content creator, actually, C-Dog. If you go on YouTube, search C-Dog. Go check out his videos. He does a great job over there. Um, he reached out to me, and he said – I think everyone would say Calvin, which I that was kind of right before I got into it, so I can't say that. But his one was Darren Waller because he went to his high school, actually. So a little bit of a connection there. I thought it was pretty cool. You had somebody reach out to you. Yeah. Uh, by the way, C-Dog, C-D-O-G-G, I yes, believe. C-D-O-G-G. He, he does a stream during the Tech games, right? He, he does, does a, a whole lot of stuff, yeah. reactions. He does an ACC show, I think, in the beginning of the week. There, there Streams, may, live reactions. There may or may not be a collab happening someday with C-Dog, which will keep you uh, – and C-Dog, thanks for reaching out. We appreciate that. And uh, certainly go check him out. Uh, yes, friend of show Kent – uh, did reach out, and he said that his first first favorite was Eddie Lee Ivory. But as is usual for friend of show Kent, and because no other friends of show reached out, Kent also gave me a couple other names. Speaking of Sea Dogs thing of Darren Waller going to his high school, uh, Kent one of his first one was uh, uh, Jim Goza or Lee. I think it might have been Lee Goza, but Jim Goza. Uh, I believe he played basketball, and he said I loved his uh, effort and. Uh, then, then he named out the others that, and we all have that, right? It starts mm -hmm. a string of who then becomes your favorite. Absolutely. Him, of course, was Price and Sally and others. So, um, so anyway, thank you, friend of show Kent. Hey, that question, let's keep it for another week. Yeah. Joshua Julian 26 at outlook.com. J U L I A N. It's how you spell Julian. If you don't know how to spell Joshua, you're probably a UGA fan. So Joshua <laughs> Julian 26 at outlook.com. Email us, uh, and let us know your favorite 
first favorite Georgia Tech oh, athlete. I gave my basketball one on the last episode, football-wise. Yes. It's a good question because I kind of started watching. It would probably be like Justin Thomas. Nice. Because that was when I was really into it. But also, fair catch man himself, Brad Stewart. Loved him. He wasn't your first one. No, because he came after Justin Thomas. <laughs> but, I mean, I had a soft spot for Tevin Washington because – yes. Tevin was a good. He was a good soldier. He was such a good soldier. All right, a uh, couple of news items we wanted to uh, get out of the way, and the very first one is a non-sports oh, yeah. news item. And wanted to thank a field reporter, Stacy, <laughs> who gives us all kinds of great news stories. Underpaid and underutilized. Yeah. So the 40th season of Jeopardy has gotten underway, and one of the things they've done this year, they started it last year is they do kind of a second chance tournament where they give people who had won maybe three episodes or they just they, they got maybe a little unlucky in trying to get to five wins to qualify for the Tournament of Champions. They give them a second chance tournament to get into the Tournament of Champions. Long story short, there was a week-long competition to name one of three second chance winners who will then face each other and the winner of that will get into the Tournament of Champions. Well, uh, there was a Georgia Institute of Technology graduate. His name is Harry Paramiswaran. He is I, he is an engineer. Of course, he's an engineer. Uh, I believe, let me find out, he was a... Ah, was he an industrial engineer? Harry, I apologize. I don't know which engineering degree you had. He qualified. He actually came from behind twice in the week to become the week one champion he wins $35,000 for uh, qualifying for the finals of the second chance tournament to make it into the Tournament of Champions for a chance to win $250,000. He actually gave, he, very strategic. Go find the highlights of his finals win, his come from behind win, both in the pool play and in the finals. So well done, Harry. We salute you. Way to be a hell of an engineer and a very smart person on Jeopardy. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get Let's get to sports. Let's say, now we're going to get to sports. But people putting balls into hoops in between uprights is more interesting <laughs> to us. Um, got some basketball stuff going on, right? Uh, Damon Stoudemire does not rest, despite the fact that he picked up four recruits for the 2023 class. He does know Kyle Sturdivant, um, Lance Terry, Ebenezer Dewunzu, Tyson Claude. He's got, got some holes opening up next year. And so he's already hitting the recruiting trail for 2024, and he's already got to commit, Stephen. And let me tell you, it's a bit of a big one. It's a big one. Picked up Jaden Mustaf from Overtime Elite, the first official Georgia Tech commit. He is the number 39 recruit in the 24-7 class. Um, he's also played for Boo Williams in the EYBL season, uh, where he averaged 18.6 points, 4.9 rebounds, and 3.2 assists, while shooting 47% from the floor. Um, also had six finalists, which was Arkansas, Florida State, Indiana, Maryland, and NC State. So some pretty pretty solid programs there, Stephen, that he um, was choosing from. He was also the highest-rated player to commit to Georgia Tech since Robert Carter in the class of 2012. I'll be honest, I don't know who Robert Carter was or what he became. So hopefully Mustaf does better than that. Um, if you want a brief scouting report, he's more of a big point guard. He's 6'4", 205. He likes to play with the ball in his hands. Bit more of a slasher. Um, I talked about the forty-seven percent from the field. He also shot twenty-one percent from three in that EYBL season. So that's going to be the big swing skill: is will he ever get the jumper figured out? Um, 
but he's really good getting downhill. He's an explosive athlete, strong, uh, good left hand. He does have a decent eye off the dribble, so could be a guy who runs the offense, and if the jumper ever comes around, three-level scorer type that Mm -hmm. Georgia Tech could uh, rely on for offense. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens at Tech once he gets there. You would assume that he might take a year behind Amari Abram if Amari Abram sticks around, depending on the season he has. But um, chance to be a very, very good player yeah. for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. On top of that is we're recording this Tuesday at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning where our schedule's lined up. By the time this show is posted on Wednesday, you will know if this is true or not. Cole Kirouac is announcing his commitment uh, today. Not 100% sure what time, but it doesn't matter because this is coming the next day. So y'all will figure it out by then anyway. Um, so he's a 6'11 center out of Brewster Academy in Cumming, Georgia. It is between Georgia Tech and Wyoming. Those are the two schools that he's recently taken a visit to. And they're much higher than everybody else. I mean, he's got an offer from some school up in Athens. I'm not 100% sure. From what I know, their basketball program isn't great. But also... They, they probably misspelled his name on the invitation. Yeah, I mean, it's a doozy to spell. But um, he's also got offers from Boston University, Georgia State, and Loyola, Maryland. So as you can see, Georgia Tech, Wyoming, the two bigger schools to talk about. So we will see what happens with Cole. On top of that, 24-7 has recently kind of updated their top 100. Just wanted to give a brief update on Georgia Tech targets that are in there, guys that have been offered by Tech. Obviously the big ones, um, Anor Boating from Little Rock, Arkansas. He's number 41. Um, Georgia Tech made his top eight, which he recently released. So that's a big one to keep an eye on. Curtis Givens III is someone we've talked about before. Um, He's already taken a visit to Tech. He's number 64 in the rankings. Uh, The other one that has already visited Tech is Jakari Harris. He's number 75 out of Grayson. Um, Jakari, I believe, is one of their top targets. I mean, they're all targets, but Jakari is the the one one that that we really hope lands with us. Tech's been going after him hard. Um, Some of the other ones to mention, Chase McCarty. Um, out of Atlanta Express on the Under Armour circuit. He's number 74 in the composite. You also have overtime elite small forward Darian Sutton, maybe a Jaden Mustaf connection there. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, he's going to, he's already visited Tech at the beginning of September. He's going to be mis- visiting Michigan and Missouri, number 82. Ethan Latham, 6'10, Fort Lauderdale Center. Um, he is number 117. And then you also have Josiah Mosley, 6'6", out of Round Rock, Arkansas. He's number 123. So those are some big-time tech prospects, guys that tech is kind of targeted that are in the top 125. Circle back and give us a comment. The Overtime Elite is is a really big deal because that is a team here in Atlanta. Yes, downtown Atlanta. Yeah, and and that's our first commit of 2024. Jaden Mustaf is there. And there is rumblings and rumors that one of the big things in – recruiting now is if you get a guy, can he bring a teammate? And so one of these guys on this list, another top 100 is on the overtime elite with Jaden and Jaden actually said, I can't say much, but as soon as I'm legally able to, I'm going to talk to my teammates. Right. I mean, mean, he's, it looks like he's all in on the team. And I mean, it's one of those things. It's it's not just a team; it's a program. It's more or less a high, like a high school program, right? Where they go go in and they play a schedule, but they also take classes together. Kind of the point is to prepare you for um, your future in the NBA because they've gotten a ton of top high school guys to come. And the other thing I think that's very important here, and what Damon looks like he's doing, is overtime elite stationed here in Atlanta. Jaden's yeah, right down the road. Jaden said, as one in in the interview Jaden gave after announcing to us. He said two things. 
I wanted to stay in Atlanta. That was huge for him to be able to stay where he'd already put a little bit of roots. And lest we, I mean, there's one other thing jumped out for me from that story and his commitment. He was being recruited heavily by Maryland where his former high school coach was coaching. And he said, that was the hardest call I had to make to call my coach and say, I'm not coming. Damon Stoudemire out recruited or recruited a guy who was being recruited by his own high school coach. Says something about Damon Stoudemire. Uh, That's for sure. And 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 the city of Atlanta. And that's it. Perhaps the appeal of the city of Atlanta and Damon Stoudemire helped in this recruiting. And maybe we get Jaden's teammate that you talked about. So uh, enough basketball talk. There will be more to follow for sure. This is exciting to, to talk about. We need to talk about volleyball. Joshua, do you want the good news or the bad news first? Or uh, uh, start with the bad news so we can end on a high note. So the the Georgia Tech women's volleyball team entered the last weekend undefeated at 7-0 and were hosting the Yellow Jacket Invitational at home. The bad news is they lost the Friday opener against that team from Athens. And they lost 3-1 and they lost in McCamish Pavilion in arguably one of the biggest volleyball games to be played on campus in a while. That's the bad news. Do you want to hear the good news now? Absolutely. The good news is you fans showed up. You fans supported this team all weekend. If you haven't yet, go find highlight package. Go find highlight videos. Go find the pictures. Ramblinrec.com has an article about the game. The That is the Georgia Tech fandom that I remember in – what used to be Alexander Memorial Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Fans were there in droves. They were making lots of noise. There were they out they outdrew the basketball people. Team. There were men in speedos in the front row, uh, having volleyball on their chest. GT volleyball. I mean, it was it was fantastic, and it was a great atmosphere. I know the volleyball team wanted to win. Unfortunately, they took that moment to play by far their worst match so far this year. I say that because the rest of the Invitational is the good news. The Jackets will enter ACC play after the Yellow Jacket Invitational with a record of 9-1. They played Howard on Saturday and swept them 3-0. They played San Diego on Sunday and swept them 3-0. And if I'm not mistaken, and I didn't look this up to confirm, but I believe San Diego beat Georgia on Saturday. So Georgia left the tournament, I believe, 2-1, just like the Jackets. And the Jackets, out of their nine wins, last year they came out of non-conference play seven and two. They're nine and one this year, this season, heading into ACC play. And seven of those wins have been by sweep. So they, and they, look, they haven't. They didn't play a cupcake. They've been no, playing like no. They played Penn State and Ohio, Ohio State, State, both yeah, ranked and stuff. beat them. So the Yellow Jackets start ACC play this week. They start. They open with Clemson uh, at Clemson, and they uh, host. NC State at home in O'Keefe Gymnasium. Sunday, September 24th. Yeah. Show up and show out. Absolutely. So if you have not gotten, I mean, apparently a lot of you have gotten on board. Keep rooting them on. We wish them nothing but the best in ACC play. At the end of the season, will this loss to Georgia matter? Not really. It really won't. You're going to continue to be in the top 20 as long as you keep doing what you're doing. Get to the tournament and see what happens. So Lady uh, Jackets volleyball team, well done, winning two out of three at the Yellow Jacket Invitational. Go kick Clemson's butt. Well, moving on to another big um, big sport, apparently, at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's really good at, like, the, the, the um, I don't, 
I'm looking for the right word to say because it's not like the moneymaker sports that like get the big time television deals, but like the other sports that have professional right implications. Yes, right, absolutely. Georgia Tech golf is now playing in their season, and it was it was quite a quite a start in the fighting. How do you, I've never actually figured out how to say this word. The Illini? The Illini. Illini? That's not how it's spelled, but okay. The Fighting Illini Invitational was um, Saturday, and Georgia Tech was participating. Unfortunately, they only were able to get three rounds in. The last round had to be canceled due to rain and lightning. But Georgia Tech did have an individual winner, Christo Lamprecht. Good old Christo! Set his own personal 36-hole tournament record of nine under par. This was after um, his final round. He had a four under par 66, which gave him the individual lead. Um, because of that, Georgia Tech did end up finishing third in the tournament behind top-ranked North Carolina and 11th-ranked Texas. Um, some of it, unfortunately, was due to some of the other jackets not having the greatest days. So senior Bartley Forster did have a good day. He was two under par, tied for eighth place in the tournament. He also had freshman Cale Fontenot who was tied for 30th at three over par. Not a bad college debut mm. to have. Uh, but then you've also got senior Aiden Kramer um, at five over, tied for 42nd. And finally, freshman Carson Kim, 80th at um, 17 over par. So not the greatest day, but he's a freshman, right? First, first you got a chance jitters. to improve from here. Yeah, first, Hopefully first it can't jitters. get much worse. Yeah, so we'll, um, we'll see. And, and many of our listeners are going, ooh, been there, done that. Yeah, exactly. I said, it's like, hey, I've done that before. <laughs> but on nine holes. God damn it. So um, in terms of opening the season is what it is, right? And you've also got um, a couple other guys that didn't make the make the trip. Andy Mayo, fifth-year senior. Um, Hiroshi Tai, the sophomore, right. was not playing in that tournament. So Tech didn't necessarily send the, the absolute A squad, but they did send – Right, because it was the Illini Invitational. Yeah. They but, did send their number one golfer in Christo, and Christo got a win. So he, he won it over kudos to him. Quickly, uh, one uh, golf pro note: uh, the top ten machine, Cooch Matt Kuchar, finished Cooch. seventh. Uh, finished seventh overall at the Fortinet Championship. Another top ten finish on the PGA Tour for Matt Kuchar. Kudos to him. All well, right, Joshua. You know, if you're going to give a pro report, we can have no, a no, fun. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold we got to get to foot. It's 18 minutes. But this man. is football. It's going to be a 50 minute show if we're not careful. Briefly. I don't want to. I don't want to take the the crowd for granted. Okay, Our dozens okay. and dozens of fans. Keon White I hasn't get, registered as, uh, anything official yet. So right, but he's Presley, been getting he's been getting pressures. I saw him in a game get some pressures. But Presley so. Harvin has been kicking kicking well, the snot yeah. out of the ball. All right, it is time to get to football. It is time to cover the Ole Miss game and to preview the Wake Forest game. Thank you guys for sticking with us through the news. We hope you found that helpful. Joshua, give us the breakdown in your great professional sportscaster. Let's all count his ums because he's hey, working on it. Hey. Well, this is the recap, right? Yes. This is the part where you don't want to do it. So, Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen, I give you the fan, also the professional sports recap of the Georgia Tech Ole Miss game. Joshua. All right. Well, Georgia Tech walked into Ole Miss, number 17th ranked Ole Miss. And believe it or not, they did have a window to win because George Ole Miss was missing their top receiver. It was doubtful that their top running back, Quinshaw Judkins, was going to play. He was dealing with a rib injury. He did end up playing, as you'll see in the box score. Um, but he didn't play the whole game. <laughs> he didn't need to. So Georgia Tech, unfortunately, did lose 48-23. to 23. Ole Miss was 17-point favorites. So it sounds bad. They, they beat the spread. They beat Georgia Tech bigger than Vegas thought. 
But hold on a second. Context is always important in sports conversations, and it's very important here. So while Ole Miss did get out to a 10-0 lead in the first quarter, the Jackets went into halftime down 10-3. So they held Ole Miss scoreless in the second half, and then they were also within a score. If you look at the scoring stuff, after the, the in the third quarter, Ole Miss went up 24-3, but then Georgia Tech scored a touchdown 24-10, It ended up being a one-score game after, in the fourth quarter, Georgia Tech was able to drive again and score a touchdown. It was 24-17. But then Ole Miss kind of put the pedal to the metal. They were able to score on back-to-back-to-back drives. Um, They got a field goal, then they got a touchdown, then they got another touchdown. This was after a couple – it was one of those things. Georgia Tech was really trying to make up the difference, doing everything they could. And Ole Miss kind of started opening up their offense. You saw them stick to the ground game a lot in the first three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, they called a couple shot plays Mm -hmm. that they were able to get free on, specifically a 68-yard touchdown to Jordan Watkins that he torched Miles Brooks in coverage and was wide open for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, Georgia Tech did get a consolation touchdown with a minute 40 left in the game. Did um, But then Ole Miss got another touchdown with a minute left. I did see some people saying Lane Kiffin was running up the score. He wasn't running up the score. He, he, was, he was doing his job. He was asked that in the postgame press conference. He said no. Hey, they said they scored with a minute left. Is that running up the score? And Rick, he said, no, they're playing football. Yeah. It, said our job's to stop them. Yeah, if you can't it, – it's not running up the score. It's You're not doing your job. Right. It, it's the same thing in baseball. I, I do not like that argument. It is what it is. It's not his job to cater to our feelings right. because we can't stop their offense. Okay, so well, notable oh, performers. Oh yeah, we got notable performers. Time for the stats. Player, player by player. Haynes King, another good game. <laughs> Are you going to do every player? No. Haynes King. Got to start with the quarterbacks. Okay, okay, go ahead. Golly, Haynes King, twenty-eight of forty-one, three hundred seven yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, only two sacks. Statistically, he's the best quarterback in the ACC. But you won't hear that from the mainstream media. You'll only hear it here on what's the good word. Jackson Dart only had eighteen pass attempts, but he averaged twenty-five point one yards per. Some of that is the 68-yard touchdown. Right, I know. But when they opened it up, he was hitting where he needed to. He also had 136 yards rushing because Georgia Tech just could not seem to stop Most of that the, was on the a read option. yard run. Yeah, he was juking guys out. He had two rushing touchdowns himself. Uh, Quinshaw Judkins had 13 carries for 37 yards. Uh, Silas Bentley, six carries for 61 yards. It just – the running game they, – they had talked on the broadcast about how they could not get the running game going – they had 251 yards rushing against us. They're two, no, 299. Sorry, 251 yards passing. Now, Tech on the running side, Jamal Haynes continued to look like a starting caliber running back. 19 carries for 72 yards. Trey Cooley had 13 for 51. And on the receiving end, Eric Singleton, as a true freshman, is Georgia Tech's number one receiver. And it, it's pretty obvious to me. Five catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. The other big thing that I saw, Stephen, 10 different jackets yes. had receptions. Um, and some of them was, you know, Cooley had four for five, which wasn't great. And he had the tight ends. Um, they had three uh, between the two, Dylan Leonard and Brett Scyther. But there's so many people getting involved. Yes. Christian Leary, Malik Rutherford, who had some half catches over the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic Blaylock, Avery Boyd had a catch. He should have had a touchdown, should have came down with it. But it is what it is. And they were missing Chase Lane in this game, who is one of their starters. Right. Um, on the defensive end, Georgia Tech finally got their first sack. Eddie Kelly had a sack. It's pathetic that we're celebrating this three games into the season. And Georgia Tech also only had three tackles for loss on the game. No passes defended, which, again, they didn't have a ton of attempts. But Georgia Tech was also not great defending. All right, so so let's do this. Thank you for that. Great job. Yes. You made one small mistake early in the recap. 
you said they held Ole Miss scoreless, and I think you meant to say second quarter. You said second, second yeah, half. Second, okay. so second that, quarter. That's my only. That's my only little. But you did great. All right. So here's what I wanted to do in talking about the game because all the dozens and dozens of fans who are listening to us are are thinking are yelling at the their device at this point or they've got their opinions. So I wanted to ask. Through three games, we're one and two. We've lost to two the two teams that were arguably better than us, and they showed up as better than us. What what is one word? Would you say that Georgia Tech? Would you say the word is progress, or would you? Well, say- yeah, because we had forty two to nothing by the same team in our home stadium. Okay, so that's progress. Is it enough progress through the first three games without knowing well, what the rest of the season holds? It's progress in the areas that we wanted to see because the biggest problem with the Jeff Collins era was the offense was horrible. I mean, we did not have a good offensive season once under him. So Buster Faulkner is looking like a good, solid OC hire. Haynes King looks like a good pickup in the transfer portal. The offensive line is still a work in progress because, believe it or not, it's hard to find 300-pound men who are also athletic enough to guard the defensive ends that we have nowadays. But there's plenty of talent on the offensive end. It's just what's happening is exactly what I said preseason. For every step that we might make in, on the offensive side, we're taking to take a step back on defense. Okay. So the offense does look better, and if we can block, we'll be almost unstoppable, potentially. But the defense, yes. So what has happened on defense that you've seen through the first three <laughs> well, That's games? exactly what I said. We lost our four best players, potentially five. Akello Stone was playing very well for Ole Miss. You know, Keon White accounted for 25% of your sacks and probably even more of your pressures. Charlie Thomas and Ace Ely made it to where even if you messed up on the defensive end, you had two sideline to sideline wide linebackers who could make plays and were also pretty good in coverage. And Zamari Walton was, if not your number one corner, he was at least your number two. And it made it to where you had to pick between Miles Sims or him. Now that they're all gone, you know, you can stay away from Spider Sims and you can pick on Keenan Johnson or Kenyatta Watson the second or KJ Wallace. Not to diss them, it's just they're not as good as Miles Sims. So the question becomes it, so because what it looked like to me, what Ole Miss did, is they just they counted they, the rock. Yes. They just and said, We're gonna keep running and you're eventually gonna wear and the down defensive line and you can't stop. They us. were getting pushback, and even when they made some penetration, Makia Scott was playing relatively well. There was just if you could get past that front line, the second line wasn't wasn't playing. Trenilius Tatum, I, he had some bad moments in pass coverage because he was stuck on line, wide receivers. But him and just Braylon Oliver, everybody that was playing for linebacker, the linebackers, they just there was too many runs where Old Miss was just getting four easy yards, and then they got hit. They carried for another six or seven. Because what happened in that Ole Miss game, again, we're down 10-3 at half. We're down 24-17 early in the fourth quarter because what I said, what I, clearly the Georgia Tech game plan to win that game was we have to control the ball on offense. And we did a good That's job. That's how we're going to – and we did. We kept it close. We always stayed close. By the end of the game, we had to change what we were doing on offense and we had to scramble – and then they took advantage of that. We had a, a, you know, we were driving. We when they went up twenty-seven seventeen, we're driving to stay close. But King gets blindsided with a sack that leads to a fumble, and that's when the wheels fell off, and we basically couldn't really recover from that. I also think it is showing, at least through three games. Let's see if you agree with this. Both Louisville, and, Louisville, and Ole Miss late in the fourth. You get late in the game. 
our lack of depth still shows. Yeah, absolutely. And I so mean, we it, get tired. A little bit. And some of it is also, I mean, we, we, we end up in situations where I think we have to, like you said, play offense a little bit different than we really want to. And the other thing that comes into it is not even just the tiredness. I mean, Georgia Tech, the two losses, have been to two good teams. Yes. I expect both yes. of them to finish with eight to nine wins, yes. probably potentially more. Yes. O- o- Louisville looks like a very good football team, and Ole Miss was already ranked. So it's not like Georgia Tech is losing to Old Dominion or the Citadel right. or who else? Northern Illinois. Right. We haven't lost to those teams. The, We've lost to good teams that are going to be playing in some pretty significant bowl games at the end of the Ole Miss is a top 20 team, and they have a very good chance to potentially be higher than that. Yeah, they're, they're one, statistically, they're probably one of the better teams in the SEC, and they, they've got some some big games coming up, and we're going to see really how good they are within their own conference. So, the, so progress meaning that we have a very, very good offense, it would appear. Progress meaning we had a chance to win those two games yes, in the fourth quarter. Yes, and progress meaning that our team is – because the other thing is we are playing together – they are playing discipline. We had zero no penalties. penalties. Yes. Yeah, zero penalties is huge. Yes. We now we did have two turnovers. One was a one one was a uh, I thought it was a fluke interception off of somebody's helmet or something like that. Or, or is that Louisville? Yeah, that's yeah, the Louisville game. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's a Louisville <laughs> game. But you had the you had the fumble on a blindside hit. And so we are playing very good disciplined football. And now, starting now, we go into our ACC schedule. We play Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. We we start to see what we really have for an ACC team. Are we going to be bottom of the league like we've been predicted? Because what I've seen, the progress, is we have a chance, I think, to be middle of the road. I think we have a chance well, to win a few ACC games. I was hoping coming into the season that it was going to be 6-6. Six and six. That was that was my real hope. And there's, a, there's definitely a chance. I mean, yes. when you look at the schedule – let me pull it up real fast on my So we played Wake Forest, Bowling Green, and Miami. I had said at the end of those six games, can we be three and three? So there's a there's a chance. I, Miami looks a little bit better this year than I think anybody anticipated, but Wake Forest, we'll get to in a second, isn't exactly what everybody thought. Boston College, Virginia, and Syracuse should be games that Georgia Tech wins. And also, I mean, we've played North Carolina really well in the last couple years. There's always a chance there. <clears throat> Clemson does not look like the world beaters that they've been in the last couple of years. The dynasty may or may not be over. Who knows? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Tech. I still think six and six is more than attainable um, if everything clicks seven and five. But there's also five and seven. It's right where I kind of figured the team would be. Right. And so I, I think one of the hardest things for this year is is the message to tell Tech fans of give it time. So I wanted to pivot. To because I don't know how much you look on social media, but we sometimes I, I try sometimes, not to. Yeah, I sometimes look on social media. Apart from the tech fans I know, and honestly, some of them are like, I'll pay attention to the football team when they get good again. So the ones who are paying attention, the overreaction people are saying what through the first three games. I've I haven't seen too many overreaction people. A lot of the people that I pay attention to and I follow are relatively. They've saying the same thing of us is like, listen, it's progress. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Give it time. I've seen people say, I've seen uh, people are saying on this app that Brent Key should be fired. I haven't personally seen a tweet or a post or whatever that says that. But I'm sure that there's always, you know, nutcases in every fan base. There are people that have been wanting to fire Nick Saban for five years now. Well, to me, the overreaction that I've seen is same old, same old. Nothing's changed. 
which I couldn't disagree more. Uh, plenty has changed. The win-loss record so far hasn't changed. We're one and two. Last year we were one and three. So we've got to, you know, let's see what happens in the next two weeks. Can we be, can we be three and two? Can we be two and, you know, we better be at least two and three. So let's, let's see what happens. So the, so that's, I don't think the, there, I haven't seen a lot of overreaction to the point of fire Brent key. I think it's the overreaction is we still suck. So, well, it's again, it's, it's, it was always going to be, Rome wasn't built in a day that only Deion Sanders can do what Deion's doing over in Colorado. Where you can turn a one and eleven team around over. Well, that's the other overreaction is we should have had Dion, which I don't well, think we have our chance. Let's stop talking about Dion. I don't want to talk about hey, that. Shout so out the other the other reasonable reaction is you see the difference. You see the differences yeah. in goals. Hey, there's a chance here. Hey, we could be building something here. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reasonable slash optimistic side of things. Absolutely. And so I, I the challenge and with the, is recruiting gonna be class coming in next year. Well, the challenge is gonna be of course, we want to win as many games as possible, but I think the success of this season may not be fully defined by wins and losses. Yeah, as it's, I never thought it would be. I mean, if you make a bowl game, sweet. But if not, I mean, I just want to see the team look better. And so far, they have. Yes. So, coming up next, 6.30 p.m. Yeah, 6.30 p.m., <laughs> Saturday the 23rd. Georgia oh, we're Tech. on the CW. On the CW. Woo! The good old CW. Shout out. I'm gonna uh, watch my. I'm gonna watch all my Arrow rewinds <laughs> and Flash TV show rewinds. All right, buddy. Before boy. Georgia Tech will be playing Wake Forest at Wake Forest. I think that's part of the reason why Wake Forest is currently four point favorites. Uh, some of it was also Wake Forest is a good team. They're three and zero. But in all fairness, so far this season they have played Elon, they have played Vanderbilt, and they have played Old Dominion. And Old Dominion was a 27-24 nail-biter. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Old – and all the other games, they haven't won by a bigger margin than 20 points. And that was against Elon. They won 37-17. to So they have not necessarily dominated, but they also have not been horrible. Uh, looking at the stats, I mean, they're both pretty similar in offense. Georgia Tech averages 35 points a game. Uh, Wake Forest averages 33. The biggest part is defense. Georgia Tech gives up 33 a game. Wake Forest gives up 20. So it'll be – I think this will be the first real litmus test with both teams to see where they are in the ACC. Because, mm-hmm. again, Georgia Tech has played two very good teams. Wake Forest has played three pretty bad teams, although Vanderbilt looks better. That doesn't mean they're good. Um, we'll look we'll, – we'll, we'll be this, interested This is a great barometer game. Yeah, this is this is your ruler game. This yeah. is where are we are – we, are we towards the – are we in the upper echelon of the ACC – are we more towards the bottom? Maybe we're in the middle. Because Wake has done what we're trying to do. They came from obscurity, and they were good. Yes, Dave Clawson has built this team into right, a machine. exactly. So is this a reloading year for him or a, a step back after some success? And are we able to step up and beat them? And it is it is a road game. So we, yes. we've got our second road game. That's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great test. You everybody who's been talking like we have, how good are we? What are we at? What do we look like? This is gonna tell you something about this team. Indeed, yes. So as of now in the ACC, Wake Forest is technically tied for last because they haven't played a conference game. Um, and Georgia Tech is technically sounds, tied for second because they they're zero and one in the conference. Sounds like some uh, UGA logic right there. Well, the conference always kind of trumps it, but you know, again, Georgia Tech's one and two, Wake Forest is three and zero. This is not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. But again, the context matters. Georgia Louisville's three and zero. 
Um, I'm pulling them up real fast if I can. But Louisville's 3-0, Ole Miss is 3-0, and um, and it's not like Wake Forest has played any huge teams. So the other two teams that Louisville has played, in all fairness, is Murray State and Indiana. So it's not like they've played a huge thing or huge slate. Well, but them, them playing Indiana is similar to Wake Forest playing Bandy, so playing the bottom of, of another conference. Yes. You know. So, yeah, all right, here we go. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here Indiana has at least been, I mean, they kept it close with Louisville 21-14, and they kept it close with Ohio State 23-3. Have I heard that statement before? Sounds like us. All right. Is what it is. So here we go. You've got a chance. You've, you've given yourself a chance to be in two games. You lost both of those games. You've now given your, you've destroyed the cupcake you were supposed to destroy. Now you've got a chance to go into Wake Forest. They should not dominate us unless we play poorly, because that's the other thing. I don't think this team has played poorly we've played bad in stretches but we haven't gone out and laid an egg let's keep doing that let's keep avoiding that because if you do that that makes you drastically different from the last four years absolutely all right run the football that's right all right we got a little worked up we got a little excited because we love georgia tech athletics we know you do too we want to thank you for joining us on this episode of what's the good word we want to remind you Please, please, please tell anyone you know that's a Georgia Tech fan or alum about this wonderful little podcast. We do it to be slightly entertaining. We do it to be very informative and because we love Georgia Tech athletics. So for the fan, Joshua, this is the alum, Stephen, asking all of you the most important question I can on this podcast. What's the good word? 